Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our senior pastor, Neil Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. There's a holiday that doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, it's a national holiday, but it should receive more attention than it does because it's Veterans Day. It was yesterday, officially. And uh, this is to honor the men and women who have served our nation in the armed forces and have given themselves to, to protect us and our, our nation. And so if you're a veteran, would you just stand so we can just say thank you? Just go ahead and stand. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for your service. I want to recognize someone in particular this morning that's a veteran. In fact, he's the very reason that I remember this day, and it's Randy Art. Could you wave your hand, Randy, just back here? Um, Randy Ark is a veteran of the Vietnam War. And of course, it was probably the most unpopular war we've ever fought. And the veterans from Vietnam were not, have not been honored and treated very well through the, through the years. And uh, I just want to say, Randy, we thank you for what you did. I, this, this, young, or this man was, was a teenager. Well, he is a young man in my book. He's only 10 years older than me. That makes him really young. But anyway, Randy was a teenager when he was sent to Vietnam to be a medic. Now, this, that's basically a doctor who never went to, to, to uh, medical school. And he was, he was bandaging up and taping up and stapling. And, I mean, you know, these guys that were wounded with no kind of training other than just, you know, what little they do before they send you into a war situation. Uh, and he was seeing horrendous things every day of his life. He, was, um, he could hear bullets whizzing past his head uh, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, bombs were exploding around him. And, and he did that for how many years, Randy, did you serve? Just one. Just one year. Praise God. Um, but that was enough to leave scars. And, uh, but he came back and decided that one of the things that he would do is he would give part of his life and part of his ministry to minister to veterans. And I'm talking about visiting you know, World War II veterans in, in nursing homes and, you know, that sort of thing. He has spent so much time uh, in Clark County establishing memorial sites and, and you know, uh, uh, places where, you know, there, there are uh, monuments erected in honor of veterans, uh, streets named after, you know, Purple Heart, you know, Boulevard, I think, is one of those. But Randy has given himself to that. And, Randy, I just want to say thank you for your service and I want to honor you this morning as a Vietnam vet and for everything that you've done for veterans and, and for uh, our country. Thank you so much. Yeah. We also have someone else with us this morning that I want to honor, and that is uh, Doug Massey, who is our bass player, who was an elder in our church. He just stepped down about a year ago. Uh, he also, he and Wes uh, were kind of like the major players in our renovation 
uh, in the last few years of our church. Uh, he's put in countless hours of, of he built a stage, uh, this ex- stage extension, uh, cut the door out, uh, put the, you know, anyway, he's just, the entire children's wing, I mean, this guy remodeled our church, basically, put in the cafe, um, you know, it's just been amazing, the stuff that Randy's, or that, uh, Randy, that Doug has done for us, and uh, his mom, uh, Betty Massey, uh, has just retired after 50 years of pastoring, 50 years in pastoral ministry. Could, could you just wave your hand, Betty? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Doug's brother, Tim, is with us this morning, and uh, good to see you, brother. So she's flanked on either side uh, by her sons, and I'm going to read a poem in honor of, of Betty and of Randy, because, and there's so many people in this, in this building right now that fit this description. But I wrote this poem in seminary, and I want to read it as, uh, to honor the two of you this morning. By the way, uh, yesterday, uh, Betty's family had a, uh, an honor celebration for her downstairs and uh, honored her 50 years of ministry. And she has launched a dozen other pastors into pastoral ministry from her ministry. I think that's just absolutely amazing. So the, the title of this poem is Unseen Giants, and this is in honor of the two of you this morning. I wrote this in seminary. It says, I live and walk among giants, the unseen saints of God who from the outside look like ordinary people, but on the inside are filled with the very spirit of Almighty God. They will never receive recognition from this world. In fact, they will pass through it for the most part unnoticed. In their humble, quiet spirits, they will take their places as faithful servants in the lowest seats and at the end of the lines. They will put others first and will call attention only to him. But they are still giants. They walk in the peace this world cannot give. They walk in the hope this world cannot comprehend. They walk in the confidence and certainty of those who know the outcome already and are are assured of a triumphant end. They walk as those who have direction and eternal purpose, yet as if interruptions were blessings from God. They walk with God as those who know the eternal creator and ruler of the universe as a son knows a father and a friend knows a friend. Who are these giants? They are quiet people in ordinary and sometimes even mundane stations of life. You would hardly notice them unless you were in need. They have discovered the secret of happiness. They have chosen the way of holiness. Theirs is a life consecrated to God, soaked in his word and sacrificed in prayer. Their goal in this life is to glorify him, and their reward in this life is to help others find him. So while traveling the road through this life, as I have met these giants in the way, they have lifted me up and have allowed me to catch a glimpse of eternity. For this... I am grateful. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, Dennis started us in a series called The Means of Grace. And I love that phrase. Um, it, it, you know, these things that we are calling the means of grace are normally known as the spiritual disciplines. 
And we decided to move away from that terminology because the word discipline in our culture has some negative connotations. Uh, it, it, you know, it's more like you know, we discipline our children to make them behave. <laughs> well, at least some of us do. Um, we, um, you know, we look at discipline as you know, going to the gym or you know, watching what you eat. You know, you're very disciplined and that sort of thing. And it has to do with kind of self-effort and striving a lot of times. And, and what we want to do is we want to, in terms of talking about things like Bible reading and prayer and, you know, having a quiet time, devotional time, um, journaling, um, you know, things like that, instead of it being like a task to perform, something that we do to, to make God like us better, because it, that, that's really not what happens. Like, like our devotional time, our quiet time, our time in the Word, our time in prayer should never be to try to impress God and try to earn His favor. And so many people look at the spiritual disciplines as a way to, to earn God's favor. But this has way more to do with just uh, a relationship with the living God. This has way more to do with receiving God's grace in a way that is, is um, the, the best way I can put it is we're just opening wider the doors to receive the grace of God. He's constantly pouring his grace out on us. He is constantly speaking to us. I think Patty last week said that one of God's characteristics is that he never stops speaking. And um, I really take that as a compliment to myself because my wife tells me, you talk way too much, Neil. (laughs) So it must be that I'm a little bit, you know, there's a lot of divinity there, I guess, you know. I'm joking, um, but uh, you know one of the one of the ways that you can think about this is that uh, if if you're just getting like I'm going to be talking about scripture this morning, I'm going to kind of pick up where Patty left off last week talking about the Word of God, and I'm going to zero in on the promises of God, and so my my sermon this morning is knowing God's promises, um, but the word if you if you're only getting exposure to God's Word. On Sunday mornings, you're you're trying to to you know like like you're trying to drink through a straw when you can have a you can have buckets full of God's of God's friendship and and, and God's revelation and, and God speaking to you. And so this morning, whether you're here for the first time and and you don't know you know maybe you're just investigating you know what church is all about and what Christianity is all about, or you've been a Christian for fifty years. Uh, I, I just want to say to you that, that this book, this book is, is different than any other book that's ever been written. This book reveals who God is and who you are. It reveals what went wrong with the human race and what God has done to bring us back to himself because he's always intended to have a love relationship with us and for us to be his kids, his children, and to carry his very presence within us. You and I are the greatest thing that God ever created. And he intended for us to be just like him. And something went terribly wrong way early in the story of this book, but it talks about, this book tells of our redemption through our Lord Jesus Christ. It tells the gospel, which means good news. It is a book of good news. 
And all through the Bible, everything is leading to, to this, this point where God becomes man and, and lives a perfect life, not, not to show us up, but to be the one man who obeys God fully, completely, and, and then absorbs all the curse and, and the death for us not living like he did. He switches places with us. He lives a perfect life, and then he dies as sin. He takes all of our guilt, all of our sin, goes to the cross, pays your debt and mine for every sin that we've ever committed or ever will commit. He absorbs all the guilt, all the shame, all all the penalty for our disobedience as the perfectly obedient Son of God, and then gives us his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? That's what this book is about. There's also something else I want to say about it. Uh, in, in the scriptures, it says in, in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is living and active. Living and active. That means it's different than any other book that's ever been written. It was written by the Holy Spirit through 40 different people. God, God spoke through 40 different people, but the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures through these people. And... Uh, Every other book was written by a human being. Now, it could have been inspired in some degree by the Holy Spirit. But the difference between a tic-tac and, and an antibiotic is that if you, if you have strep throat and you eat a tic-tac, it might even make your throat hurt worse. But this is living inactive, and it can counteract that, that infection and, and heal you. And that's the way the Word of God is. It's different. It's living. It's active. And it, it's powerful. And as we interact with it, God reveals himself to us. I just want to pray one more time here and, and just jump in. Uh, but, but I just really feel like I want to pray. So let me pray for you. God, I pray that as I read your Word this morning, as I share from your Word this morning, as I talk about your Word this morning, that you will communicate supernaturally through me and that you, will, um, that you will speak to our hearts in, in a powerful way through the, through the power of your Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say as a disclaimer this morning that if you are at any point hearing us say, Dennis or me, that you are going to be more pleasing to God if you do these if you enter into the means of grace, you're not hearing what we're saying. You're hearing from the enemy. And uh, uh, if, you're, if, if this puts you into some kind of performance mode, then just stop. <laughs> don't, don't let that happen. I remember when I was in seminary, um, there, was, there were several professors that I really, really looked up to. And one of those professors was my theology professor. He had a Ph.D. in theology uh, he was a very gifted communicator and um, a very disciplined guy. And um, he actually ran an organization, uh, and I became a part of that organization. And you had little little cell groups that you were a part of. And if you were really good at what you did, you got to be a leader of one of those cell groups. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I really, like, he was one of my heroes, and one day during class, he made this comment. He said, if you are not, he said, my, so he said, my dad is a doctor, 
and my brother is a lawyer. And my dad is retired now, and he still spends hours a day reading medical journals. Like he did it his entire career. He stayed up on the cutting edge of of his profession. And my brother, who's an attorney, is the same way. He, he reads these legal, uh, you know, uh, publications. So he stays up on, on, you know, legal matters. And he knows the latest, you know, decisions that have been made in the court system and so forth. And he said they, they read for hours a day. And he says, if you pastors, you guys that are going to be pastors, don't tithe uh, your time, your waking hours of your day, that's an hour and 40 minutes. If you're not spending an hour and 40 minutes in prayer and in reading the word and studying the word, then you're not worth your salt as a pastor. Yeah, an hour and 40 minutes a day. And I'm, I'm sitting there in class and, you know, one of my heroes is telling me that I have to spend almost two hours a day in my devotional time uh, or I'm not worth my salt as a, as a pastor. And I shouldn't even go into pastoral ministry if I can't do that. And so I strapped it on. And I started the next morning. I get up at, you know, early because, you know, in seminary, like I'm a slow reader and, and that's all you do is read. And so I had to, I had to get up early to, to spend another hour and 40 minutes doing my, you know, my daily disciplines. <clears throat> and uh, I would read the Word and it was dry as dirt. And then, then I would try to pray, and I'd fall asleep. And, and I was just failing. Every day I was failing, failing, failing. And that hour, I mean, I, would, I was watching the clock, and I'd look up, and I'd be, it, surely it's been an hour, and I'd look up, and it had been 10 minutes, you know. And I just withered under that. And, and I got out of school, and, and uh, you know, as a fail, and I thought, well, you know, after I get done with all those studies, surely I can, you know, I can pull this off. And so I started trying, and I would make these lists. And I don't know if you can see this, but there are little check boxes here. And, um, you know, prayer, Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, uh, devotional classic, uh, one chapter in a spiritual book. You know, I would make these lists and check, to check them off. And I, I, could never, I could never stay with this. And I would feel defeated. And, you know, I really believe that that was part of the reason for uh, I had an emotional meltdown, you know, several dozen years ago or so. I think it was trying to live under that kind of scrutiny just in my quiet time. Guys, this is not <laughs> a checklist. This is opening opportunities to spend time with Jesus, to spend time with the Father. To, to cultivate a relationship with him. And so when we approach the word, it's not to, to check off whether we've read our, our psalm, our proverb, our one chapter in the major prophets, one chapter in the minor prophets, you know, that, that kind of thing. I, Dennis told me this week, he said, I have a friend who, uh, from years back that would read through the Bible four times a year. All the way through from, from you know, uh, uh, no, um, <laughs> what I was trying to say is from ge- geniuses to revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I couldn't remember the word. So yes, Genesis to revelation. I heard that one time. I thought it was funny. Now I couldn't remember it. Anytime I try humor, I get in trouble by the way. So I'm going to try to stay away from that. Let's pray and I'm done.
Um, So anyway, but you know, that kind of of, uh, discipline, it's it's just work and it'll wear you out. It'll burn you out. Nothing changed in his life. He wasn't any more spiritual than Dennis. <laughs> that, was, that was the punchline. So guys, this morning I want to talk about something that's super important. Because one of the benefits of spending time... And, and by the way, I was going to share this. Uh, Devin and uh, Lindsay went to a concert this week at First Christian, and uh, Danny Goki, I think is his name, uh, from, from Nashville, He's, he, he finished third in uh, American Idol some years ago, and strong Christian, amazing testimony, uh, and, and uh, th- you know, they invited me to, I'm just not that into musical concerts, I'm sorry, I know that's probably, you know, I, I don't know what that means about me, but I just don't enjoy concerts. You know, if I want to listen to music, I'll, I'll just, you know, put my headphones on and, and play what I want to. And uh, to pay money to go and sit in a crowd of people and listen to somebody sing, that's just not my idea of fun. So I stayed home, but I, th- I thought, you know, I haven't talked to my brother in a while. And I love my brother, but we just don't. He's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy, and, and we just don't get that many opportunities to talk. So I called my brother up, and I said, hey, you got some time to talk? And he's like, yeah. He's like, man, it's good to hear from you. He's three years younger. And uh, we just had the best conversation. And like within the first minute of our conversation, our, our dad died in, in uh, uh, March. And he was almost 90. And he said, Neil, do you dream about dad? And I'm like, David, that's the weirdest thing. I just had a dream about him like a week ago. But it's only the second time I've dreamed about him since he's been gone. And it was just a fleeting thing. It was just a few seconds. He was young. He was in his 40s. And both times I've dreamed about him, he was around that, you know, 40-ish age. And it was just, just a few seconds, and then I was off to something else in my dreams. And I said, he said, that's amazing, because I don't dream about him either. I've, like you, I've had maybe two dreams. They were very short. And he said, he said uh, do you miss him? And I said, I really don't, because I know. He's like, that's it. And he's like, I know where he is. I know I'm going to see him again. He's with Jesus. He, he, he was so old, his body was worn out, and I'm just so thankful that he's not in that old, worn-out body anymore. And so we, I think it was a relief for him to hear that, that he wasn't like my sister, who is still grieving. Like, she is just grieving and grieving grieving. And that's okay, too. We all grieve in different ways. But here's the thing. We talked for an hour, and that was a wonderful visit. Like, I feel like I'm reconnected with my brother after... Months of not being. And um, that's how it should be when we approach the Lord in our quiet time. We just want to come and spend time with Jesus and have conversations with him. And we want to talk to him and we want to listen to him talk to us. I mean, he will speak to you. Like, like uh, Patty said, he's always speaking. We just need to tune our ears. And this is one of the best ways to hear him. And he wants to reveal things about himself to you, and he wants to reveal things about you to you, and he wants to reveal things about the relationship that he has with you. And so this morning, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. The first thing I want to do is read um, the gospel from the book of Ephesians, and I I want to show you something that's really important about the promises of God. 
So I'm going I'm to read this. I'm going to jump in. Um, this is from the NIV, Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. I don't know. I think maybe we have that. Okay. Awesome. Yes, here we are. Paul says, as for you, talking about the way they were before they came to Christ, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, talking about the enemy of our souls, Satan, the devil. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh or, yeah, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but listen to this. This is the greatest but in the Bible, B-U-T. Don't get me confused here. The greatest conjunction. Uh, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, let's just stop right there. What is, that, what is the word of God telling you about God? He has great love for us, even in our sins and transgressions. Even when we were lost as a ball in high weeds, he still loved us. He is rich in mercy. Okay, go ahead to the next one. Made us alive with Christ, even, even when we were dead in transgressions. He made us alive, even when we were dead in our sins. What great love is that? It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. Are you getting some of the character of God? Loving, gracious, merciful, kind. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the, say it with me, gift of God. When someone gives you a gift, what do you do? You do two things. You receive it and you say, Amen. Amen. Not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm going to stop there. What a powerful passage of Scripture. What wonderful things we learn about our great God and about ourselves. There was a time when we were dead in sin. But because of his great love for us, because of his kindness, his mercy, his grace, we're now alive and we're in Christ Jesus. But look at verse 6. Let's go back to verse 6. Or, or David, I'm sorry, it's David back there. Look at this now. Here's something that you need to know and understand about the word of God and the promises of God. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the sanctuary at the bridge in Northridge, Springfield, Ohio. Is that what that says? And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where does this say you are right now? You're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly realms. What does your five senses tell you? Where, where, where do your five senses tell you you are right now? Yeah. What is your behind telling you right now? <laughs> your sense of... Of touch is that I'm sitting in a chair in a sanctuary in a church in Springfield, Ohio. But there's another realm. There's another reality. And it's just as real as the chair you're sitting in. But the only way you're going to know that 
is because this book right here tells you that it's true. And it's just as true as the chair you're sitting in. So let me share with you what the word says about his promises here. <laughs> this is Second uh, Peter chapter, or chapter, yeah, chapter one, and just verses, just two little verses, three and four. There's so much powerful truth packed into these two little verses. It's just concentrated truth. But there's so much here, and I'm, I'm just going to zero in on one little part of this. It says um, in the verse before, grace and peace to be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so we, we get grace and, proof, grace and peace in abundance through the knowledge of God and, and, and Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, now this is life, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's, that's life. That's how you get life. That's how you connect with, is the knowledge of God and, and Christ. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And in the same way, he says this, we get grace and peace and abundance through our knowledge of, of God and, and Jesus Christ our Lord. His, talking about Jesus, divine power, Look at this. His divine power has, there it is again, there's a gift. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but if this verse didn't tell me, go back, please. If, if this verse, yeah, I'm sorry. If this verse right here didn't tell me that, that his divine power has already given me everything I need for a godly life, I wouldn't know that because I see my screw-ups and mistakes. I see every day how far short I fall of being like Christ. And yet I know that his life can be released in me so that I can live a consistent godly life. And I'm beginning to understand how that works. It works through faith. In his promises. It works through believing his promises. So I'm starting to believe this. I'm starting to say, okay, so Jesus, you, you're really, you really are my life. That's right, Neil. And you want to live your life through me. That's right. And I can actually already say what I used to pray, oh God, someday I hope that I can say with Paul, uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, Paul was saying that as a matter of fact. I have been crucified with Christ. Romans 6 tells us that every one of us have been crucified with Christ. We've been buried with him. We've been raised with him to live a new life in the Spirit. We have everything we need for life and godliness right now, Today, I don't care who you are or where you are, if you belong to Christ and you have his spirit, you have everything you need to live a godly life. Let's go to the next verse here. This is so awesome. Through these, his glory and goodness, he has given, there it is again, it's a gift, he has given us his very great and precious promises. You know, I, I struggled a little bit about focusing on the promises of God in my turn to preach on the word of God. But last night, as I'm going through my sermon, the Holy Spirit showed me, Neil, 
This is one of the first things that Peter says in his, in his uh, letter to these precious saints that he was writing to to encourage them. One of the first things he says is that you've been given the gift of God's precious, uh, great and precious promises. In another translation, his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may participate or be partakers of the divine nature. Do you realize what that's saying to you? Through his promises, as you embrace these by faith, you participate in his godness. Yeah, I mean, that's worth an applause right there. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is Peter. What about Paul? What does Paul say about this? In his prayer for the Ephesians, he says this, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God here and now. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Dennis said it a few weeks back. We're containers. We're vessels to contain the very presence of God on this earth. Paul said we have this treasure, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in earthen vessels. Guys, we are created to contain the very divinity of God and to be his representatives, his ambassadors, his presence on this earth as the body of Christ. I said that a couple weeks ago. So, (laughs) these precious and magnificent promises connect us with the truth about who we are in him. We are partakers, participants in his divinity. Man, that's, that's just, that's mind-blowing to me. So, as we approach the word, here's what I want to say to you this morning. I, I want you to be very childlike in the way you approach the Word of God. Don't go there to try to impress God. I'm reading the Word, God, you see? I'm checking off my checklist that I read a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament. Yeah, God's like, what did I just say to you? Somewhere, make a mental note or write this down. I want to say a couple of things about the Word. When you approach the Word, ask God to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you through his word. Just ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me today as I approach your word? Second thing I'm saying is go for quality, not quantity. It doesn't matter if you read the entire book of Ephesians in one sitting. In fact, I would encourage you not to. I would would approach the word, if you haven't been a, a person who reads the word, start with the gospel of John and then move on to uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, those, those books are Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn, that's how I remember that. <laughs> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Because you'll find the gospel there in, con- in concentrated form. And just read until God speaks to you. Make it like an Easter egg hunt. You remember when you were little and, you, you, you know, I, my parents would... They wouldn't hide eggs, they would hide candy. And, you know, our brother and I would get up and, you know, we'd be all excited and we'd, we'd go hunting through the house and 
finding these, you know, the little, <laughs> little chocolate bunnies wrapped in foil. And it was so much fun to, ah, oh, I found something, you know, and approach the word of God like a child and, and wait for something to really jump off the page and realize that that's God speaking to you. See, there's a, there's a difference between the logos and the rhema word of God. This book is filled with words. It's logos or logos, however you say it. Logos, I'll just use that. But that just means the word of God. It means word. But rhema means a specific word to you. God's speaking to you something very specific. And through the years, God has done that for me. And, and I would just encourage you to slow down, ask God to speak to you, slow down, go for quality, not quantity, and look for the rhema word for you for that day. You know, you boomers probably have an alarm clock by your bed. Millennials, Gen Zs, they, they use their phone for everything, yeah. But I, I just bought a new alarm clock. It, it took me forever to find one. Excuse me. But the, one of the reasons I like alarm clock with digital numbers on it is because it becomes a tool of prophecy for me. I look at the clock and it says 828. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for reminding me of Romans 828. That God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I see you boomers shaking your heads. You know what I'm talking, is it? Yep, see. Um, I see, you know, 220. Ah, Galatians 220. I've been crucified with Christ. I use the alarm clock as a, as a prophetic, you know, portal for God to speak to me. Thank you. Rhema word, right through the alarm clock. One of the things that I have done in my own quiet time is um, I have, I had an old pastor when I first moved to Springfield, his guy's name was John Little. He was pastor of, of uh, New North Street AME Church on, uh, it wasn't on North Street, it was on, uh, it was at Columbia. And uh John Little was like the dean of pastors in Springfield, and, and he asked to have breakfast with me. I was jail chaplain, so I went to breakfast with me, and uh, he said, young man, do you read the word in the morning? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to, you know. He's like, don't try to read it, you know. And, uh, and he said one of the, the disciplines that he had gotten into was reading uh, five psalms and one proverb every day. And he said, I highly recommend you do that. Well, you know, I'm still under the law, and I'm still trying to do my checklist thing. But I did go ahead, and, and he told me how powerful that had been in his life. And so I went ahead and adopted that and, and started doing that. And eventually I got tired of reading Proverbs. I, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it wasn't, you know, I love Proverbs, but, you know, after you've re- read through them, you know, a number of times, you, you kind of got it. But the Psalms, I don't know, it was different for me. And so in the back of every Bible that I own, I, I, I just write this list, one, th- you know, 1 through 30, and then 1 is 1 through 5, 2 is 6 through 10, uh, 3 is 11 through 15. And I, so, so today is the 12th, 
So that would be Psalms 56 through 60. And at some point during the day, I will read Psalms 56 through 60. Now, this is my Bible that I just bought recently, and uh, I bought this in the last couple of years, and so it's very clean. Um, Even the Psalms are still not that marked up, but by the way, is this your card? No, I'm kidding. Um, This is... This is the old version of this. Can you tell? <laughs> I just walked in Walmart one day and thought, I want to buy a new Bible. And I went over and I found this NIV and I like the size and, you know, I like the, it's large print and everything. But I want to show you, like, this is, this is Psalm 118. <laughs> I mean, it's just marked up. It's got, you know, notes written in the, in the margin and, uh, I, you know, I, I date it. You know, if something speaks to me, I date it. So there's dates written all over this thing. Because this is God's rhema word to me. You say, wait a minute, Neil, that's Old Testament. Yeah. Paul said in in Romans 15, 4, whatever was written in earlier times, and he was writing the New Testament, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, he was referring to the Old, Old Testament, you might have hope. This word, you might not be ministered to by, you know, Leviticus, but Psalms is still an eternal word, and, and it will still speak to you. And so, and so I encourage you to develop those kind of opportunities. The way I view this is like, like if you were in a, in a, in a, a culture that depended on rainwater for your well-being, you wouldn't try to catch rainwater in a straw, you would put out large containers to catch the rain coming down. And so reading the word, reading the Psalms, uh, prayer, you know, devotional classics, journaling, all these are like, are like buckets or, or containers to catch the grace and mercy and love of God coming down to us constantly. And so all we're trying to do in this series is encourage you guys to open yourselves Open yourselves to be able to just just engage with the Lord and and just open more portals, more containers to receive all that He's pouring out on you. That's really what I'm asking you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to, to just open more avenues for your love and grace to be poured out on us to, and to hear your voice and to interact with you. And Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity this morning just to share my heart about your word and about these precious and magnificent promises that you've given to us that speaks to us so clearly of who you are and who we are and the relationship that you want with us. And may we begin to just experience time with you in just the, the, the joy of just of being in your presence and hearing your voice and being able to talk to you as a friend talks to a friend. And Lord, I pray that, that as we go through this series, we'll experience this more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.